Hello, and welcome to Radio SGN. I am one of your humble hosts, A.V. Eichenbaum, pronouns they, them, and with me, as always, is the very patient and nice Lindsay Anderson. Lindsay, how are you? Hello, um, I will be doing better in about 30 seconds when I take my cat into the other room because he's okay. trying to attack my plant. Um, I will be right back. <laughs> no. Well, uh, while she's doing that, folks, we have a lot going on today. Kind of a heavy episode. Uh, I figured I'd start you off with some good news. For instance, Sue Bird is uh, back on the Seattle Storm. I'm a big fan. I know a lot of you out there are as well. I don't know if you've seen her in action, but if you haven't, you should. It truly is a sight to behold. If you don't keep up with uh, the women's sports teams of Seattle, you're missing out. Uh, We can talk more about that when Lindsay gets back. In the meantime, we've got a great show for you coming up. Uh, Caio Caiazzo, an old friend of mine uh, from Brazil, is going to be our guest. Lindsay, I was just telling our listeners that uh, Sue Bird's back in action, and that if uh, they don't pay attention to women's sports, they're really missing out. Do you have a favorite women's sports team? Do I? Yes. (laughs) I, um, as you probably know, big soccer geek, uh, played soccer my whole life up until um, a couple years into college and I absolutely love um, the Seattle rain. Absolutely and they are a sight to behold. Uh, Yes. I'm a big fan of the storm as I've already said. It's just great to see such an iconic figure back on the court. Mm -hmm. So folks that ends the sort of fun and fuzzy news. We have a lot to go over today. Uh, We're gonna try to keep it light, gonna try to keep it brief, but uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is gender-affirming care in Texas is now child abuse, according to Ken Paxton, the Attorney General, and Greg Abbott. Yeah, so, Lindsay, why don't you take this one? Abbott and Paxton have signed a new law that forces all mandatory reporters, so that's like teachers, guidance counselors, um, people that work closely with children that if a child were to, you know, disclose to them um, in confidence that they're in any sort of danger of, you know, molestation or abuse at home, they, you know, they're mandatory, they have to report that to the police. And now that includes children whose parents are allowing them to receive any kind of gender affirming care. This includes hormone blockers, and it can even be as simple as parents using the right gendered pronouns for a trans child or their name that coincides with their identity. And these parents will now be investigated by Child Protective Services as um, being abusive parents and could lose rights to their children, all for uh, just supporting them and... It's a really sad day to see this in the news. I mean, I think it's absolutely disgusting that a state that is so into its individual rights, uh, so against government intervention in the daily lives of its people, as most red states are, is going so far as to uh, destroy the identity and thereby mental health of uh, its children, and especially its queer children. Gender-affirming care is necessary to the survival of the LGBTQ plus community. Like we've mentioned before on this podcast and in several different articles at the SGN, gender-affirming care is effectively protecting these kids from 
suicide, from severe mental health issues that come with you know, not being seen for who you are. And this attack is not only an attack on um, just the ability for children to be themselves and transition um, and for parents to support them, but, you know, it, it's an attack on their lives. Um, it's putting it's putting lives at risk. It is. And there's a history of the government suppressing and oppressing uh, queer communities. And this is just another step there. You know, they don't understand it. They don't understand us. And so they're trying to get rid of us. And there's a reason that we don't have a lot of LGBTQ elders, you know, misunderstandings uh, leading to active violence and and hate. I mean, can you imagine being a kid in a school wanting to transition, coming out, thinking you're safe, and then having the entire school be like, well, your parents are abusers, clearly, and you're being abused, and... I mean, and kids are, kids are mean, <laughs> you know, any yeah. excuse to be like, this person is different, there's going to be someone that, out there that takes it, and that can't be good for the mental health of youths either. It's the total irony of the fact that these children are the furthest thing from abused if their parents are supportive and accepting them and loving them and willing to you know, go forth and help them transition or at least, you know, block puberty. Um, and then Texas wants to take these children out of their supportive and loving homes and put them in the foster care system, which is notorious for actual mental, physical abuse towards children. Um, it's just, it's abhorrent. And it should be a human rights violation. These people don't care about the children. They don't care about the well-being of these children. They care about, like you said, preventing LGBTQ people from growing up and having a voice. And it's just really, really tragic. It is. Um, speaking of tragedy, if you're listening to this and you don't live under a rock, you probably have heard about the invasion of Ukraine by Russian forces. We did cover that. I spent an entire day covering that uh, to make sure I had the most up-to-the-minute coverage for our SGN readers before we went to print Thursday evening. Of course, there have been some updates, not the least of which Russia has uh, put its nukes and other weapons on high alert, um, which the Pentagon has called as unnecessary as it is escalatory. And now I'll just read an early quote from the president directly after the attack beating the war drums a little bit biden said russia alone is responsible for the death and destruction this attack will bring and the united states and its allies and partners will respond in a united and decisive way the world will hold russia accountable now if you like me woke up thursday morning with uh vice around your heart small panic attacks throughout the day Hopefully, we won't have to worry for too much longer as uh, the peace talks in Belarus between Russia and Ukraine have, as of this recording, already happened, and the rhetoric from the White House has shifted very quickly. Um, after announcing those severe economic uh, sanctions, which much of the world has actually taken part of, the president has gone from saying Putin is the aggressor, Putin chose this war, and now he and his country will bear the consequences, 
that was the message on Thursday evening. Uh, now he has gone on to say that uh, we are going to be trying to de-escalate the rhetoric. Uh, that from Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, who, as Lindsay, you know, is my only celebrity crush. Um, just a... I have a lot of thoughts on this. I feel like I've seen, you know, people changing their profile pictures to I Stand with Ukraine, you know, slacktivist action. I have seen a lot of anti-Russian sentiment, even though it should be noted that several thousand Russians took to the street to protest the war, which is hard to do in a country like Russia, where it's not as free as the United States. And I say that coming from a place where I've been tear gassed and pepper sprayed and beaten into unconsciousness by my local police force. Russia is rough uh, by all accounts. President Zelensky has tried to reach the Russian people directly, speaking to them in Russian during his, his announcements, knowing full well that they are not going to be able to see through their Russian airwaves, which are mostly pro-war and pro-Russian propaganda and hoping that they've gotten the message. And, you know, we can only keep our fingers crossed that the, uh, especially the nuclear situation, is de-escalated as quickly as possible. Lindsay, that's a lot of information. That's not everything, but it is, I think, the most important thing on my mind right now. I mean, we've been talking over the, the last few days about this. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, after we talked yesterday, I had a full-on panic attack. I uh, called my mom, um, was, you know, very concerned, and, um, you know, my mom is maybe the embodiment of the movie Don't Look Up with Jennifer Lawrence. Love that movie. And it, yeah, and I know that. I know that she, she refuses to research climate change because it will make her anxious, um, but I think I called her because I wanted a little bit of that, you know, making me feel like it's okay. And she was like, it's okay. You know, we're going to be good. There's not going to be any nuclear war, maybe stock up on water, uh, just in case, but we'll be fine. Um, and it did calm me down. Um, and hearing that they're moving towards and have now started peace talks, um, it, it's making me feel a lot more confident. Um, the nuke situation is still terrifying. Um, but, you know, like I said yesterday, um, you just kind of gotta, gotta focus on what you can control, focus on um, what makes you happy in the moment, I guess, because, you know, you brought up a very um, true but nihilistic point that we could die at any minute. It doesn't have to be nuclear war. It could be a car accident. Um, so... That's exactly what you want to hear from your boss, too, right? <laughs> yeah, it really is. I'm sorry. I just, I've, no, I've found the last few days that I, I speak with a lot of candor. I'm very honest um, pretty much all the time. And that can be off-putting and maybe not the thing that people want to hear uh, when we're potentially under nuclear threat. And I apologize if that has upset you. Because I also went into a panic attack after we discussed that yesterday. I set myself up for that, though. And I kind of deserved it. <laughs> yeah, you know, your candor is appreciated, though, because like I said, I, I appreciate the realness more than the don't look up um, vibe that I think some older people like my mom have. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's what we need is we need people to look at the shit that's going on in the world and say, like, this sucks and this is real. Um, 
and we need to do something about it. And unfortunately, war with Russia is not something that we can do anything about. Um, but I can dodge the draft, and I will. I figure, you know, we can't control if they nuke us. There are not a lot of bunkers in the area for Seattle, the Pacific Northwest. What we can do throughout our lives, and I think that this is always true, is stay curious, you know, and don't be a dick. Yeah. I can tell you with about five-sixths of a philosophy degree finished under my belt, that's kind of what I've come down to. Uh, I studied political and ethical philosophy. Uh, and uh, stay curious and don't be a dick is just about as good as you're going to get for a set of rules from me, you know? With that, and with uh, our breaths held and our fingers crossed, we're going to take a short break for ads, and then we're going to have a very lighthearted conversation with an old friend of mine. And then we'll be back with more after that. Radio SGN is brought to you by Adult Time. Launched in 2018, Adult Time is a streaming service exclusively for adults. It's a platform built by fans who believe in a future where mature audiences can safely, securely, and proudly have a place in their lineup for premium, award-winning adult content. Dubbed the Netflix of porn by mainstream media outlets, Adult Time offers an extensive catalog of over 250 channels, 60,000 episodes, and 8-plus new releases per day from some of the most recognized studios, including Girls Way, Pure Taboo, Burning Angel, Fantasy Massage, 21st Sex Jury, and Vivid Entertainment, alongside exclusive original series, feature films, and much more. Adult Time. Porn done differently. Sound Transit is hosting community events to discuss the future West Seattle and Ballard Link light rail expansion. Come learn about the potential route and station location options and share your ideas about light rail expanding in your community. To view meeting dates and more information on the West Seattle and Ballard Link extensions, please visit wsblink.participate.online. Again, that's wsblink.participate.online. Or call 206-903-7229. Joining me today via Zoom, all the way from Rio, Brazil, we go way back. We were just catching up before recording. He is a director, an actor, a writer, a film critic. Uh, wow. Yeah, one of your pieces was in the Cannes Film Festival. It's Kaya Kayazzo, soon to be a household name. I'm calling it here, folks. It's great to see you. It's been too long. Long, there's like five or six years now that you're saying all those things, people are actually gonna believe I'm quite something. Which is, <laughs> I mean, I'm a believer, I'm a, I'm a dreamer with eyes open. Let's put it like that. I keep mm. on just trying to do things. How have you been? What have you been up to? So it's been a long time, but one thing did not change the, the filmmaking urge. Let's put it like that. Mm. So I'm constantly trying to do new things. I've done some shorts. I've done a feature now. I'm trying to do another feature as soon as the pandemic allows us to. And I'm missing a lot of all the things that I lived in California. I was there for a little more than one year. Yeah. 2014, yeah. 15. And I mean, I came back, but in so many ways, I'm still there, you know, when the place is still in me. Mm -hmm. 
So I can't wait to be back. Absolutely. God, a lot has happened. I run a newspaper in Seattle now, which is crazy. um, Because I think when we met, I was working at McDonald's. (laughs) 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 And writing on the side. So... (laughs) And, you know, doing some like modeling and acting. I don't, I don't model anymore, but um, yeah, it is, it's genuinely good to see you. I watched Retorno yesterday. You sent that to me. That was in the Cannes Film Festival. Fantastic. Great representation. I don't speak Portuguese, but, you know, I speak a little bit of Italian and, um, you know, that helped out and the subtitles definitely helped out. Let's talk about your work and your inspirations because you're a big classic movies guy. I know we did a lot of physical comedy. You're really into Charlie Chaplin, or you used to be. I don't know if you still are. Oh, well, we can't stop being into Charlie Chaplin. I believe he was the main guy. He was the first sparkle, let's put it like that. The movies from the 70s seem to really influence your work. I remember when we were working together, which was, it seems like it was a lot longer than it was, but it was just like a, a month with like a shoot in right in the middle there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But um, it was a, it was an all night shoot where I had the pleasure of drinking 15 or 16 Red Bulls for, for the, for the set. It wasn't even for me. I had already had coffee. <laughs> and for the record, we were in a wonderful location. Do you remember that house? That was I lived amazing. There. <laughs> that was like being, yes, exactly. Yeah. You lived there. Because yeah. that's an important thing to say. Uh, we met closely for about one month, as you said, a yeah. month. But it was really intense because we exchanged a lot. We talked a lot. And you were that kind of magical existence that we, I, I knew that I was going to say, wow, I, I'll never meet someone like him again. Because, <laughs> And it's true because you wrote a lot by that time. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing poems and a lot of writing. And... You had a painting of you and the rabbit, Harvey. <laughs> yes, my dad still has that painting. Um, so, it's it's about four feet tall, exactly. the painting itself. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to get it up here. I'm thinking of putting it in my office. And I, I remember that I was looking at that painting and then looking at you next to me. And I was thinking, is that guy real? Because sometimes <laughs> it felt like we were living a magic, you know, like we were living inside a dream. And that shoot was like that because it was 16 hour long yeah 16 hour long i believe it was worth because i'm really glad about the short film it did the name was a thought of it was directed by jason Mann from university mm-hmm. and well i i have to sound cliche but this day is only a thought away you know i constantly <laughs> revisit that 16 hour shoot yeah i think about it often as well um I was living with 15 other people at the time and, you know, we used our living room (laughs) and there was a house party with the full moon witches house party that happened every month for us in the middle of the woods. And my cat Persephone was part of the shoot. That was great. Uh, No longer with us, unfortunately, but yeah, it was a wild experience. And I, I had mostly done journalism and theater up until that point uh film you know i do home movies and stuff but um i've always had a a great passion for it and you're someone that when you're passionate about something you turn it into reality it seems i really appreciate that about you 
I had sort of a similar experience as to what you're saying. It's like, who the hell is this guy? You know, like, is this really happening? It was it was a, a month long fugue state where we just made a, a 10, 20 minute long movie. How long was that? It, 15. It, 15. Yeah. Yeah. And um but it was always shot in one night. Everything that's <laughs> yes. there was shot in one night. Everything. So that was for real. That was like, that let's was... keep awakening. Man. Have you seen it again? Have you I, seen it? I watched it again about, I want to say a couple months ago. Because I get nostalgic around around the holidays, you know. Yes. Um, I'm not a big holiday person. But, you know, I look back. I like look back over the years. I see how much things have changed. and. I looked it up. I found it on Vimeo. Yes. Um, and the only thing is the audio, is, you know, I think that with the physicality, it could have been a silent film. I think we could have. Yeah, the audio a is, film. is a situation. Yeah, because of the house party down the way and my shoes. And I believe my accent doesn't help much, you know, because <laughs> in some moments it's like, oh, we needed subtitles. But anyway. Right. The I don't think your accent was that bad. Jason Mann was really, really pulling to have Bill Murray on that. That was his <laughs> whole thing. Remember, like, and I do remember because his uncle was Egon. We know this, but for the readers and <laughs> listeners at home, this We're guy who I'd never met before was like, my uncle was Egon. I know you like Ghostbusters. And I was like, I probably do like Ghostbusters. I, it's been a while. And he's like, we're going to get Bill Murray. And I was like, okay, you do you, dude. Thank you for having me here. This is crazy. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, okay. That guy is very intense. Um, very SoCal, you know. A you lot, ended was... up having me. That's like yeah. a bit disappointing even yeah. to me. You know, we promised Bill Murray. But I wrote it with him. We mm -hmm. wrote it together. And until the last minute, we wrote as we had Bill Murray. So that was a real deal, you know. Yeah. And writing those dialogues. <laughs> for them to memory so by the time we got to shoot mm -hmm. he was like okay so you know the dialogues you know the vibe the tone you're gonna be bill murray so okay yeah and it was great working opposite you you know i don't think it would have had the same charm if it had been bill murray because right whenever people direct bill murray they just say hey bill do your thing and just, like <laughs> fuck you guys like you yeah know, so... script, but you don't need to talk about you know you don't need to yeah. say those things say whatever you yeah so probably would be another film but as i can see i have the impression that i'll have to go back to california mm -hmm. so you would go back into acting is that the deal because everybody who watched the movie loved you oh. it's really hard not to love you in that movie so i hope you allow yourself to do more things if you uh, do if you don't i'll have to write them for for you you know and go there and direct myself if you come back to the States, I will get back into acting for you. So now uh, we have a promise here, listeners. Everyone, we have a promise, a compromise thing. Yeah. A compromise. And now another motive for me to go back is another reason for me to go back. I really plan to. I've been in New York in 2019 mm -hmm. before the world changed. Yeah. So I spent some months in New York. But I really do miss California. It's like another, another country. It's another, it's like another oh, vibe. Yeah, no, I I miss it too. I went back for the holidays, but um, but Seattle is also amazing. I believe Seattle's nice. You know, I I miss the sun quite a bit. I I got to be honest. You know, <laughs> it's 
it's not home yet. I've been here about four years, five years, and I'm sure it'll get there. But, uh, you know, still, still sort of making my way, I feel, in Seattle. So let's talk about your feature films. So you've got one out already. When did that come out? 2019? So I, I sent you a short film that I did right after I came back. Yes. And that was my third short film. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of short films. I mean, I have this thing that I don't sleep much. Sure. I usually sleep like two, three hours a day, and that's like a lot. So I'm always writing or shooting or creating something new. I'm really unquiet. I don't know if it's that healthy, but what? I'm still here. (laughs) But so I've done a lot of short films, but there is a moment where you believe you decide you have a a vision that you have to do a feature you know we really want to put all that effort all that struggle creative activity into making a feature film and in brazil it's a bit harder that's something that i can say with the property of someone who tried that who experienced different different places different countries so just to have an example if i'm in brazil and i want to do I don't know, two projects in one year. Mm-hmm. If I really try hard, maybe I can do three films in one year, short films. Mm-hmm. By the time I was in California, one year, I did seven, one after the other, you know? The right. I Thought Away was one of the seven f- films I did during my short time there. So that's a reality. There in California, people are really active and people are really into, you know, let's make it happen. Let's yeah. make it happen somehow. Let's do what we can do right now, but let's make the movie happen. And in Rio, it's a bit harder. Always has been, you know, like we have a wonderful film history. I don't know if you have seen any Brazilian film recently or from the past. Not recently, no. I have many things to recommend because I'm deeply in love with Brazilian filmmaking because it's a different filmmaking. It's mm-hmm. a different kind of film that you have in England or in France or in the United States. is a kind of unique signature that we have that is beautiful. But people don't watch a lot and it's hard to, to make it because you have a terrible government right now. I don't even like to talk a lot about it because it's really depressing the situation you have here with politics. But I've been trying how to do this feature film because in the recent years, until 2019, I worked with a very famous and veteran filmmaker here in Brazil called Domingos Oliveira. And that guy did a lot of things for 50 years. He got all the awards someone can get in Brazil. He's really recognized because he also did films in television. He also did things in the theater. So he was like an artist in all Mm -hmm. the ways he could. And I was his assistant director. I was his AD. Well, I was constantly working with that guy and I got a lot of practical experience. By the way, if I'm sounding confusing any moment, just tell me. You because know I, I don't speak Because I don't speak English daily here, but sure. I love speaking English, but sometimes some things skip. But anyway, I had a lot of practical experience with this guy called Domingos. And it's like, it's a contagious thing. You know, when you see someone doing this independent filmmaking Mm -hmm. making that possible it's like why not yeah so i i started doing my first feature in 2020 
in the first months before the pandemics. And it's a movie with a lot of people in the cast. It's not a, a short thing that we do between five friends. It's actually a feature with a crew, a cast, and it was not safe to get them together. After right. the pandemics, of course, we had to isolate ourselves. So this one had to stop. And now I'm ready to come back. I believe things are getting a little bit better. Of course, we can just forget about what's going on. But I believe that right now in, in Rio, what we're living here, we could manage to maybe in the next months, maybe by March or April, actually start making some little shots, you know? Yeah. I already have 45 minutes of that film. And now we are exactly in the moment of selling this out and getting new partners, new producers. But by the time I was isolated, I still couldn't sleep. I still couldn't do much things but filmmaking. Mm -hmm. I shot many things through FaceTime, through Zoom, like we're doing here right now. Yeah. I was talking to the crew, to the filmmaker, the, the cinematographer that was holding the camera, sometimes in Rio, sometimes in Sao Paulo, another city. I even did some things in New York and in Lisbon, in Portugal, yeah. directing here from my room in Rio. So that felt amazing because it's a new window it's like if i plan it right mm -hmm. if we have a plan actual plan i don't need to be in another country to do a film with them we can actually make it happen thanks to technology and i'm crazy about that idea that's wild and in this crazy process i did a feature film last year i could manage to direct another thing nothing to do with the first one i was doing but we actually made a feature documentary that is basically about art proving itself possible in these oh. times, in these hard times that we live in, you know, and art finding its way to exist, to happen. So this feature film, this documentary feature film, the name is Collisions, is like collisions, mm -hmm. is actually about getting artists together in different parts of the city and in the country and making them collide, you know, into something. And it happened. So... Uh, that's another thing that I believe it's quite beautiful to realize in those moments we're living right now, in these years that we're living, how important art was during the whole process. Because, I mean, people were isolated, so people were watching films, they were watching TV shows, reading books. Imagine if there was no art around, people would go completely, absolutely nuts. <laughs> it would be the purge. Exactly. So I think we should all celebrate that and, you know, cheers to that because art has its ways of proving itself possible, proving itself viable. You know, we can make some things happen. We can find a different new way because everything now is about the new way. Nothing will ever be like before, not exactly 100% as it was before. And okay, art can still happen. We can still do a film or record songs. I mean, I have many musician friends that recorded whole albums inside their houses, you know, with a home studio. That's real. That, that can't happen. And that really excites me. It's funny because I think here in the States, we're trying to treat the, the pandemic while we're talking about it as if everything is going to go back to normal, you know, and we've had riots. We've had the pandemic. We've had the great resignation. I don't know if you've heard if this is happening there as well. Yes, but... this is happening. The United States is not used to having riots, you know, because <laughs> our police force is incredibly militarized. So that really shook people up and like woke people up. 
they happen throughout our history, but it's not like, like in France, if they change a parking law, there's a riot, you know, if people don't like it. So it's been really interesting that a large swath of people are treating it like, okay, once this is all over, you're going to get back to your minimum wage gig. You're going to work at McDonald's again, and you're going to fucking like it. You're going to enjoy it. It's really interesting. Our CDC with no warning or scientific reasoning, just said that we can <laughs> we can go back to work after having COVID for five days instead of two weeks, which was the standard for the rest of the world, because otherwise our economy might collapse. If our economy can collapse that easily, maybe we're not doing something correctly. You know, I don't know if we value art as a as a country as much as we should, maybe, because like you said, if we didn't have that during the lockdowns, if I didn't have it now, because I don't go out much due to everything, you know, yes. it's either it's bad weather or it's, you know, a bad virus or something, <laughs> you know, they, they change the, the guidelines so often. I just don't want to touch anything or talk to anybody. I go here, I go to the office, I come back pretty much. That's, that's almost it. But if it weren't for the the films and the TV shows that have come out over the past few years, I, I, I mean, I am already a little nuts, but like I would be more so, you know, I find myself speaking with my family back in California and they all live together and they're driving each other crazy. <laughs> That's a challenge, you know? you know, living with a lot of people, mainly yeah. family all together right now is a bit intense. Yeah, well, I'm the oldest of six. You know, uh, you met my three, my three younger brothers and um, big family and you all love each other. It's really beautiful to see. There's something else. Uh, I love them all dearly, but Christ, they drive me nuts. <laughs> uh, going back for Christmas was wild. We're allowed people, you know. <laughs> we, but that's a perfect we... script for comedy, right? It's already. <laughs> you just have it, to shoot it. I, I could probably turn my life into a TV series like Larry David style. You I know, do believe you should. I, I, think, I would watch it. I would have someone else play me, I think. So you're going to do something like Everybody Hates Chris, just not rating or not even that? Um, Curb Your Enthusiasm or Seinfeld. I think we could pull that off. I do believe it could happen. Yeah. In fact, if you don't do that until I go back, I already have a new thing to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, we'll, we'll workshop the script. I believe people deserve to watch that film. So share the link afterwards if you want to. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, you guys can see what I used to look like when I was young and cute. Uh, <laughs> five years. It's been five uh, years. It's been it's been a long five years, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it's things been changed. so long. And we are living in a really strange time lapse right now because I've been inside a cave i'm a caveman right now nobody mm -hmm. sees me in the outside world i've been inside here for like two years straight yeah. and it doesn't sound it doesn't look like two years sometimes it looks like five sometimes it looks like one mm -hmm. it's quite crazy what we're living right now i'm completely isolated and once i found this window that allows me to direct and do things inside here boy i'm not leaving for anything you know i i never got the covid i'm still safe here but I don't get out a lot. So I do basically everything from the inside. I do the writing, the directing. I'm actually living here, you know, doing yeah. everything inside a cave. And of course, I get really nostalgic because I am proudly nostalgic. Mm -hmm. But there's also a chance to revisit essence, I believe, in all the things that don't change. Maybe we 
change our hair, we change the looks, but there is something that I believe never changes, something related to the essence. And this time has been good for that as well. Ends up going in every new script, in every new film. Mm -hmm. You're taking sort of a Shakespearean approach to this, where there's a pandemic and you just lock yourself in. I agree. I think that everyone has this sort of essence within them, right? I don't know if you read a lot of Descartes, but it's one of the few things I agree with Descartes about because we don't have to get into Descartes right now, but a lot of his shit really bothers me, like the the logical fallacies in his own reasoning. But I, I do believe partially he has this whole thing about your essence is immutable, your soul, right, is immutable. Like you said, you change your hair, the world around you changes, the things interact with you and that essence. But at your core, you're going to be who you're going to be in some way or another. People can change over time because their essence adapts, they adapt. I believe very strongly that, especially for people of passion, artists, filmmakers, you know, creators, that's gonna be their center point, their base. And you can't change that. I've always wanted to write. I've been a reporter since I was like 14, you know? Exactly. And uh, you're gonna make your films. It's quite symbolic, by the way. It's quite symbolic and beautiful that you kept all your journals. And that's about it. You know, the journals are also keeping you back. It's like an exchange. You don't keep that for no reason. I do believe there is a poetry in that. You know, you keep those things because it's all there is the essence. I've got them numbered here. I'm on number 10. And I already purchased number 11. We can't I, control those things. We can't control that. We have to keep doing yeah. Sometimes I like to look back at these journals. You know, they go back to when I was just starting out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm 14, 15. It's my, it spans my entire professional career. And a lot of it is just sad poetry. <laughs> <laughs> but that was beautiful. I remember. I remember yeah. it was really authentic. I, I learned about a lot about life and art filmmaking with that guy that I usually quote this Domingos, the mm-hmm. friend of mine that was a really big filmmaker and he was 82 he died in 2019 wow. i was with him one night the night before he died and we were rehearsing a new show so that was the guy he was rehearsing one day before the death and he was 82 and we were planning to do a new play a new you know theater thing with the first play he ever wrote So he wrote that play when he was 16 Mm. and he was coming back to that play when he was 82 because he thought it's time to go back. It's time to revisit that young Domingos. So I do believe there is something of it in everything, you know, Mm. this looking back like, oh, look, I'm still connected to that guy somehow. And that's really beautiful. I, I hope I can reach 82, 89, still connected to that crazy guy with the strange accent in the thought away. Yeah, it's a beautiful thought. I don't know if I would want to always be connected to who I used to be. I understand why you would. You're great. I'm a mess. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you were, I was there with you. You were I'm, great. <laughs> yeah, but it's so strange. I feel as though even in the last year, taking up the mantle of the guy who who had this job before me, George Bacon, uh, impossible to replace. He died at his desk in his 80s. I was hired as a part-time writer after the fact. I never met the man. Uh, He has two days named after him in Seattle. You know, he was an activist. One of the former managing editors and I 
were joking about this. The job is kind of just doing everything that George didn't want to take care of. George didn't want to do these things. <laughs> and it seems like that's been most of my job. And um, that isn't really a complaint, but it has been a really interesting growing and learning experience. You know, being a 26 year old with 12 years of my life dedicated to this craft, finally enacting it like on the world in a way that I see progress and change. And I, I wouldn't be who I am without who I was, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, the person I am without being that kid who worked at a McDonald's and seeing the things that I saw and working in the, in the newsrooms that I did at the time, because I had just come off of working in hard crime for like six years throughout all of it, you know, it's change and growth and growth is uncomfortable. And um, I get uncomfortable just looking in the mirror sometimes because I'm like, who the hell is, who are you? What are, what's going on? You know, like, I don't think I'd be able to reach back and have the courage to go and look at my earlier work, my earlier scripts, the plays I wrote in high school. Um, I don't even like some of the plays that I wrote last year, <laughs> last year, you know, I think that that's, it's a really interesting uh, tie right to your to your own personal past if i do live to be in my 80s i would hope that that would change for me i'd probably have the same reaction to myself in my 20s that i do now to myself in my teens which is like yeah. jesus christ what are you doing <laughs> bud what's going on i keep the journals because i, I like to remind myself that i, I have grown you know I'll shut up, but yeah, no, that's uh, that, that's now. I mean, I'm just a little bit older than you. Mm. I'm 29. That's scary being close that close to the 30s. But anyway, I'm 29, and I believe that maybe we can feel that around our 80s, 70s. If we reach there, you know, now's not the time to feel exactly this kind of nostalgia because I mean, you yeah. are inside the hurricane. You are just living <laughs> this amount of things that are going on. But I do believe in a kind of scripts and here we won't go into religion or any of those stuff okay i'm just it's just a poetic look that i usually give i do believe in a kind of script a script in a way that something that we can't control the way things happen the people we meet in the way like you and me you're talking after five years since our first meeting yeah. i do believe in a kind of script that happens in ways that sometimes we can predict we can we can't quite control but it kind of makes a little sense, you know, it's important to the character's arc, let's put it like that. Mm -hmm. I'm really sounding as a screenwriter right now. But anyway, the thing is, uh, for example, a practical example, when we did The Thought Away, it was a film about someone losing the father, dealing with the loss of a father who was really connected to him, right? Father and son, good friends, and dealing yeah. with that loss. And we did it in 2015. In 2016, the next year, when I came back to Brazil, I saw myself losing my father really young. He was 51, and yeah. it was something surprising. I mean, in five months, everything was fine, and then it wasn't. So that was a kind of surprise. But there I was writing a movie about it one year before, and I had no idea this kind of things could happen because everything was fine. He was really healthy. So, I mean, it was really good, and it was a big surprise to everyone. But... There we were, you know, making a movie about it. 
And now when I come back, is really relatable in many ways, the, the kind of connection that your character had with his father. Yeah. It was all there in a strange, funny way. And that was exactly the figure that came back to ease that pain, to mm -hmm. kind of help you deal with that loss. And I had to become that figure to myself, you know, every time I looked in the mirror. So I do believe that some of those echoes, some of those rhymes, I mean, it's kind of a beautiful way to, to take a look around. Things are not for no reason. I do believe that I will be sooner or later back in Seattle or California doing things with you again. I do believe that. And it, we don't need to plan a lot because I do believe in the timing. I do believe yeah. that. Someday I will call you and I'll say, I'm back. So where are you? Oh, I'm visiting Santa Cruz right now. So you see, I, I do believe in these kinds of things. Or maybe I'll be in Seattle. I think I would be in Seattle. But anyway, we can't predict those things. We can't control quite everything. I do believe that's what moves me on this constant, you know. So let's see what we can frame here. Let's see what kind of film or picture can I take out of it. Absolutely. I think that that is a great place for us to stop. Kyle, where can we find you online? So nowadays, everyone is on Instagram. So there you can find, I mean, links and posts about the things I'm doing. Of course, I also have my channel on YouTube. And I believe you can find me anywhere. I'm, I try to be an open book. Not a lot of people feel interested to read it, but the book is opened. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because you said that you don't value art as it should be valued in this country. but wow it's a complete different reality from brazil here in brazil people actually don't care about old about you know investment in what we do so it's always about resistance always mm. if anyone here is an artist immediately you know you're promoted to being resistance you know yeah. because that's the only way of making music happen theater happen filmmaking happen you have to resist all the things that come against you because it's not comfortable at all. But as we said, it's not an option as well. When we, we feel that we have to do it, we just have to do it. We have to find a way. And art and history was always about finding its way. So I'm here in this search. And luckily enough, I can be contagious in that way to inspire more people to keep on writing, keep on filming, keep on doing the things we believe we have to do because, well, we have to believe it. If we believe it, maybe some people will believe it as well. Wiser words have not been spoken on this show. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. You can find all of his work. We're going to have it in the show notes. Um, we're going to have all of that. Thank you. And we're back from the break. You know, Lindsay, you brought up a really good point uh, off mic. I completely forgot to bring up the rights response to this whole Russian invasion thing. Uh, Donald Trump called it genius. He spoke at CPAC over the weekend. A lot of people completely agreed with him. Former Breitbart editor and uh, Trump advisor Steve Bannon said that we should completely support Putin because Putin ain't woke, Putin's anti-woke. If you look up CPAC, you'll see that their slogan for the weekend was awake, not woke, which was really interesting to me to see. Um, 
Nate Gowdy is out there taking photos of that. But the reason Bannon also wanted us to go into a partnership with Russia on this is because they are... Uh, his direct quote is, they don't have the flags. They don't have the pride flags. Uh, Russia has a lot of anti-LGBTQ sentiment, as does Ukraine, I believe. But specifically, Bannon wants us to go into war with Ukraine because they... This is a quote from uh, his interview. They only have two genders in Russia, which is... Well, that's some bullshit. Let's switch gears a little bit. We came back from the break promising you more content, and instead we just jumped right back into Russia stuff. But, uh, say la vie, yeah. let's talk about crushes, Lindsay Anderson. Yes, it is my favorite time of the podcast, and I think that we can officially rename Lindsay's Crush Corner to Lindsay and Ash's Crush Corner because you have contributed to our Crushes of the Week I this did. week. I did, I did, thank you. It's a, you know, there's a first time for everything. No, it is not Jen Psaki. Maybe next week. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you, I just googled Jen Psaki and... That is not what I thought she looked like. Uh, just has a really reassuring presence that I find, uh, you know, nice. It's 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 cute. Yeah, she's no Ari Shapiro, but you know, she'll do. Cut that. <laughs> um, so our crushes of the week. We're still going with an Olympic theme because it's relevant, and it's the only thing I think of when watching the Olympics is how sexy everyone sure. is. So. Um, first crush this week is, um, former skating champion, gold medalist, and current Olympic coach, um, Adam Rippon. And he is just a cutie. I've showed you the picture. Um, it's from his Instagram. I think he's very stylish. He looks like a cucumber. That is your thought. I don't agree. I actually didn't know what Adam Rippon looked like until, um, I was researching him for some quotes that he gave on the Russian skating scandal, and I was like, this is a cute man. I like him. So he's our Man Crush Monday, um. Lindsay is really into men who look like they're a member of the squash family. Yeah, I am. I like him squashy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I think I should note that as much as I think Adam Rippon is cute, he would not think I'm cute. Mm. And I'm okay with that. Um, a lot of my crushes are unrequited, and that's okay. Yeah, we don't want this segment to feel like we're fetishizing any sort of sexuality that isn't our own. You know, we're just uh, we're just here appreciating some good-looking folks, appreciating yes. some stylish folks, and uh, that's it. So thank you for clarifying. Um, so our Woman Crush Wednesday this last week was another Olympian, Powder Queen Belle Brockoff. She is Australian, and if you've ever heard an Australian person talk, you just melt. Um, so I would love to melt in the snow with Belle Brockoff. Um, she is a professional snowboarder, and she's also an inspiration um, as a member of the LGBTQ community. She was one of the first openly queer athletes in the Winter Olympic Games. She actually came out before going to Sochi, Russia, and was very public about her identity as a lesbian and that she wasn't going to be silenced even though she knew she was going into a pretty homophobic country to compete. 
Um, so we love that. And I just hope she shreds at the Olympics. I just love it when women, that's it. Yeah, for sure. And um, our Them Crush Thursday contributed by your favorite SGN <laughs> podcast host that isn't Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, Blue Del Barrio and they are an actor on Star Trek. Um, Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek Discovery, yes. I didn't realize I needed the the extra oomph there because I'm not a nerd and I don't keep up with Star Trek. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Ash, tell us a little bit about Blue and why you find them so wonderful. So they play the character of Adira, a non-binary engineer, like a younger kid who um, is in a relationship with a trans character and is also like the first human to have a Trill symbiote host which that doesn't mean anything to people who don't watch star trek regularly but um sounds trilling (laughs) but basically the trill are a race of people that um share memories and culture through these symbiotes that are passed down um through a very selective process so i really vibe with other trill characters such as like jedzia dax um and adira because I also feel like I have a lot of sort of previous trauma and like stuff that I'm working through that I don't quite understand always, memories that I didn't realize I had and abilities I didn't realize I had. So um, it's also like the Trill symbiote doesn't care what your gender is. So it's uh, there, you could have had been a man or been a woman or be non-binary and it's like, that's just the body that it's sort of with at the time. And I think that's really cool. Blue Del Barrio plays the character really well. Uh, the character even comes out as non-binary on the show, which you don't see a lot. It did feel a little forced, but a lot of Discovery... I feel like sometimes a Star Trek Discovery could be called Star Trek Exposition and still be just as um, accurate. Uh, you know, some of the writing needs a little bit of work. It's a little different than what I'm used to uh, week to week watching like DS9 or... TNG or Voyager or any of the others. I haven't finished Enterprise yet because the theme song is really difficult to get through and Paramount Plus does not let you skip it. Yeah, I just, I'm a big fan of Star Trek because I consider myself a realist, but I can be kind of a downer and I know that about myself. But Star Trek has always kind of been about a slightly brighter future, even in the darkest times. You know, people have this sense of wonderment and hope and uh, scientific discovery. And while some of it can be considered, uh, I don't know, a little bit colonialist, they do address it in the later seasons as it kind of comes back to itself. And um, it grows and changes with the world as we know it as well. And I think that's really cool. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Could we refer to a non-binary engineer as an NBNG? That's, I think that would be NB neutral good. Oh, I was thinking like like E-N-B-Y-E-N-G-Y. NBNG, N- like engineer. You know, I feel like you probably have to ask them about it. Okay. Well, I would hate to be called that. Phone. You would hate to be called an, an... An NBNG? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then I will... I will 
put that at the back of my mind. I'm also not an engineer though. I'm a journalist. <laughs> I'll ask my engineer friends if they'd like to be called an NG. We're just about out of time. I do want to run over a couple of quick updates. For us, as a company, we have a merch store now. You can get it at seattlegaynews.redbubble.com. Uh, you can find us, Radio SGN, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Anchor.fm. That's Spotify. That's Apple Podcasts. That's Google Podcasts. We are on Overcast, and we are on uh, all sorts of things. So give us a shout-out. Go rate us if you like us. If you don't like us, don't rate us. It's pretty easy. Yeah, rate, like for a TBH, um, mm. follow for a follow, <laughs> hashtag love is love. Yeah, check out www.sgn.org where you can also find our show and all of the stories we didn't talk about this week, as well as an archive going all the way back to April of last year. We're working on getting the last 40 years or so online as well, and a bigger project, and I'm very excited that we can finally start talking about and sharing. So if you want to support us, you can support us by buying something on Redbubble. You could support us by our link tree, which has our PayPal. And uh, you too can be a part of LGBTQ history uh, just by donating $5 or buying a shirt or a hat. Or tote. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Yes. Um, I highly recommend going through Explore by Design so you can see all of the items that are available that way. Lindsay, anything you'd like to add before we head out today? Um, I don't know, just to tell our fans too to keep checking in on the Redbubble because we have new designs dropping uh, monthly. So if you don't see anything you absolutely love today, go check it out at the end of March and there will be something new, something for you. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you in the funny pages. Radio SGN is hosted by A.V. Eichenbaum and Lindsay Anderson and produced by A.V. Eichenbaum. Music for this show was provided by TRG Banks and Jesse Spillane or was provided for free by Anchor. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on SGN.org or wherever you find podcasts. <laughs>